guys to turn with me to uh, the book of Proverbs, chapter number 19, Proverbs 19, uh, and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 21. This is our base scripture for this series we're calling Fulfilling Our Purpose. Everybody say, Fulfilling Our Purpose. One more time, say, Fulfilling Our Purpose. In Proverbs, the 19th chapter, verse number 21, uh, the text says this, you can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Let's read it out loud on purpose. Say what? You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Let's go to Romans, the eighth chapter, verse number 28 through 30. Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 28 through 30. And take a look at that. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Verse 29, it says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Next verse says, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself and having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. He gave him his glory. Those who are the called according to what? His purpose. So God has a purpose for every last one of us here on earth. If you are his child, if you are a born again believer, God has purpose for you. He has eternal destiny, amen, for you. Your life, amen, God wants to utilize it to advance his kingdom agenda. Now, we said there's three things that we're dealing with as we talk about and looking at fulfilling our purpose. We talk about number one, we need to engage. Everybody say engage. Number two, we need to be equipped, right? Equip. Everybody say equip. And thirdly, we need to be empowered. Everybody say empowered. One more time. Say engage, equip, and empower. Now, again, uh, I told you on last week that I had to come back and deal with engage again because I discovered and the Holy Spirit just dropped it in my spirit just as plain as day that one of the reasons why many of our churches are not advancing kingdom agenda principles appropriately is because not enough of us in the church have chosen to engage with one another. Can I get a witness? What, what, what God told me is that people are reluctant to engage. So we, we told you that... Uh, when we engage, we said engage others through genuine relationships, sharing our lives and the gospel. Genuine relationship. Most people don't have genuine God honoring relationships that they are engaged in because they've been hurt in the past because of all kinds of issues and, and stuff. But we got to learn to engage. Our relationships should demonstrate steadfast commitment to Jesus and his word. We told you that. The third thing we said, many of us are afraid to engage because we don't understand relationship boundaries. And that's what we talked, we left off on last week. I told you some things that we need to know about boundaries. Remember this? We said, number one, boundaries define us, right? It says they, they define what is me and what is not me. A boundary shows me where I, where I and someone else begins leading me to a sense of ownership. Because sometimes we get engaged with people in, in relationship with people. Sometimes they take over our lives. And we don't know how to say no, right? So boundaries. Said, the second thing I tell you was that the Bible tells us clearly what our boundaries are and how to protect them. But often our family or other past relationships 
confuse us about our boundaries. The third thing we said was boundaries help us to define what we are responsible for and what we are not responsible for. Listen, guys, if, if we can get that down as we deal with people, man, that's going to that's going to that's going to free a lot of us up. Boundaries help us to define what we are responsible for and what we're not responsible for. Can I get a witness? The fourth thing we said was we are responsible to others and for ourselves. We're responsible what to others and for ourselves. Because remember in Galatians, the Bible says if a man be overtaken in the fault, you with your spiritual little go and restore that person in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted and fall. So when someone falls, we're responsible to that person to go to them and lift them up, amen, with kingdom love. Can I get a witness? But we also laid on that fifth verse of that very same sixth chapter of Galatians. He says every man ought to bear his own burden. We all have personal responsibilities, things that God has assigned us to do that only we can carry that burden. Can I get a witness? So the fifth thing we said was boundaries help us to keep the good in and the bad out. They help us to guard our hearts with all diligence. And six, we said this, the concept of boundaries comes from the very nature of God. He defines and takes responsibility for his personality by telling us what he thinks, what he feels. Come on, y'all. What he thinks, what he feels, what he thinks, what he feels, what he thinks, what he feels, what he plans, what he allows, what he will not allow, what he likes and what he dislikes. God is very clear about that in his word. Can I get a witness? And what God is doing is he's letting us know what his boundaries are. Can I get a witness? See, God gives us his word to, to let us know that, that what he expects and what he approves of and what he does not approve of. So, so to, today I want to kind of delve a little bit more into this because if we don't understand boundaries, we'll be reluctant to engage with people on deep, uh, at a deep level. Would y'all agree with me? How many of y'all, if, if, we, if you're being honest with me today, how many of you have been reluctant to, to, to engage with certain people? In other words, to have genuine relationship. In other words, go deeper than just seeing them on Sunday morning and waving them and giving them a Holy Ghost hug. Because you know, that takes very much of a commitment, guys, to come on Sunday and get somebody a hug and say, oh, that's my brother in Christ. But we've never really talked to that brother in Christ or that sister in Christ. We never really engaged with them outside of the four walls of the church. And what I'm saying if, if this church and any other church is going to get engaged in kingdom disciple making, it's going to require us to engage at a deeper level. And that's where a lot of us are scared to do. We're afraid because we don't know where somebody may be coming from. We don't know. Uh, we've been hurt before. And so we're reluctant to engage. So, so, so resistance to boundaries. Let's talk about resistance to boundaries today. Because uh, establishing and maintaining boundaries takes a lot of work, guys. I, I'll admit it takes a lot of work. It, it takes a lot of discipline. It takes a, 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 a lot of uh, energy and focus. And most of all, it takes desire. Everybody say desire. Say it one more time. Say desire. See, guys, the driving force behind boundaries has to be desire. We usually know what's the right thing to do in life. But guys, we are rarely motivated to do it unless there's a good reason, which y'all agree. Most of us know it says love your neighbor as yourself. Most of us know that we are to assemble together in the house of the Lord. Most of us know a lot of different things that, that we should be doing. 
But how many of y'all are uh, guilty like I am? There are some things that I know I should be doing, but I don't seem to be motivated to do them. Hello? Well, since, since y'all ain't gonna talk to me live stream audience. How many of y'all know something that you should be doing, but you haven't been motivated to do those things? See, guys, really, think about this for a second. Obedience to God, who's the one who tells us to set and maintain boundaries, is certainly the best reason to, 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 to set those boundaries. It's the best reason to do it. It's the best reason to do what we know in life is right to do. Because God says so, right? But sometimes, guys, if, you, if you're honest about it, all of us sometimes need a more, even more compelling reason than obedience because we know what the word of God says. Right? How many of y'all have been guilty of knowing what the word of God says about giving and supporting the ministry, but you just, you just, you said, I'm not there yet, Pastor. How many of y'all have heard, how many of y'all know what the word of God says about uh, praying for those who despitefully use you, but you say, I'm not there yet, Pastor. Anybody in the house? See, I'm not there yet. Amen. When God says do a thing, it's not about where I am. It's about where he is. And it's about me being willing to be obedient to the word of God, guys. So, so obedience to God is the best reason. It's the best reason. But sometimes we need a more compelling reason than obedience. We need to see that what is right is also good for us. Can I get a witness? And we usually... Listen to me carefully. We usually only see, we usually, listen to me carefully. We usually only see these good reasons when we're in pain. I got to say it again. We usually only see these good reasons when we're in pain because our pain motivates us to act. How many of y'all have been guilty of knowing something was going on with your body, but you wouldn't go to the doctor until you got into so much pain you couldn't stand it anymore? Anybody in the house? There was something, how many of y'all know your body and you know when something is not quite right? But you, you forego going to get it checked out and something that could have been cut off at the past early on becomes much worse because the only reason why we went was because we were in so much pain we couldn't stand it anymore. Men are famous for that, right? Men, 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 men I, I'm, I'm guilty too, you know, unless it just hurts real bad. I have a, I tend to have a high to- pain tolerance. Uh, and so, uh, so I, I'm guilty, y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm pleading guilty. There are times, if it don't just really hurt, I ain't going. Let me, let me back up. Let me back up. Let me back up. I get my annual checkups, y'all. I go and get checked out. But there, there, there are times when, things are happening in my body and I know it's, it's hurting, I don't go unless it just really, 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 really get bad. And that's not a good thing, y'all. I'm telling you that. So what, what, what I'm telling you is, is that in our lives, sometimes God has to allow some pain to get us to move, right? Th- listen, guys, even with the desire for a better life, we can be reluctant to do the work of boundaries for another reason. It's going to be war. It's going to... It's, it, there are going to be battles that we got to face. There are going to be disputes. There will be losses. There will be people who, when we set up boundaries, uh, who, who, who will no longer be in our life. And now, all of a sudden, when we see them, we feel uncomfortable around them. Can I get a witness? The idea of spiritual warfare, guys, it's not anything new. Amen. For thousands of years, God has given people the choice of living lives in ruin or possessing what he has secured for them. And it always involves battles. 
You remember in, in Ephesians, the sixth chapter, uh, verse number 10. Let's go there right quick. Ephesians chapter six, verse number 10. I want to read that for you. And then we're going to we're going to move to second Corinthians, the 10th chapter. It, it involves balance. When I set up a boundary, which is is to keep the good in and the bad out. That means that there are going to be some times when I'm going to have to put some distance between me and some folks who I've been around quite a bit, especially if they toxic for me. And y'all been around toxic people. Toxic people need the Lord, true enough. But there's sometimes our relationships have, 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 have gotten so, so toxic, we need to remove ourselves and create a boundary so that we can get healthy and that person can realize the error of their ways. Look at what the text says here. In Ephesians chapter number six, the idea of spiritual warfare is something that, that we've, that, that's been all through our scripture. The text says a final word, be strong in the Lord and his, in his what? Mighty power. It says what in verse number 11? Let's read. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against what? All the strategies of the devil. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. How many of y'all know that the devil has a strategy that he's trying to work in interwoven in your life and my life? He, he uses the same stuff, guys. He, he, he's really, if you, if you just study him, you'll know his tricks. He uses the same stuff to get mankind to follow, but he definitely has a strategy, and we got to understand that we're in the midst of spiritual warfare. So when you go start setting boundaries, you, you, you're going to start, amen, seeing warfare really get started because the enemy knows that when you set those boundaries up, you're going to be keeping his, his, his soldiers out of your life, and he needs his soldiers in your life to mess you up. Can I get a witness? Go to 2 Corinthians 10, chapter, verse 1. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 1 through 5, right quick. Look at what the text says here. Let's read out loud on purpose. What now I, Paul, appeal to you with the gentleness and kindness of Christ, though I realize you think I am timid in person and bold only when I write from far away. Look at what it says here. Well, I'm begging you now so that when I come, I won't have to be bold with those who think we act from human motives. Paul, listen, those that, there were those in the Corinthian church who said, Paul, yeah, you talk bad in these letters that you write, but, but, uh, but you ain't, ain't nothing to you. <laughs> That's basically what they were saying. You think you got apostolic authority over, the, uh, over us because you were influential in starting this church and helping this church to grow, but, but, but you ain't big and bad, Paul. But notice what Paul says. Paul says, we're human, but we don't wage war as humans do. Next verse says what? We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. Verse 5, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. KJV says we bring every thought into captivity unto the obedience of Christ. So guys, we are in warfare. In case you don't know it, in case you've been sleeping, Amen. For the last 30 years, we're in spiritual warfare and this spiritual warfare is playing itself out across the nation today, guys. We are there's there's some devilish stuff going on and we as born again believers must be equipped to do spiritual warfare. Now, guys, when God when God led when God led the Israelites out of Egypt toward the promised land, they had to fight many battles and learn numerous lessons before they could possess the land. Do y'all recall the story? We did a whole series on that, on that journey, right? 
child of God, listen to me. We have to fight for our healing in our promised land also. God has secured our salvation and our sanctification, guys, in, in principle and in position. He has healed us, but we have to work out his image in us. Let's go to Philippians chapter number two right quick. God has already healed us. He's already given us a, a, a state of being where we can be victorious in our warfare efforts. But the Bible lets us know there's some stuff that we got to do. Philippians chapter number two. Watch this. Y'all there? Let's read together. It says what? Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed. Y'all don't got lazy. On me. Y'all don't even read anymore. Come on. I, I don't hear. I don't hear anybody read. Come on. Live stream. Y'all read. With me. Say it again. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Do what? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, let's read it. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do what? Of his good pleasure. Now, guys, the Greek word that's translated fear in this context can also mean uh, uh, reverence or, or respect. Paul uses the same phrase in 2 Corinthians 7 15 where he refers to Titus as being encouraged by the Corinthians reception of him with fear and trembling. He wasn't talking about be scared of God. He was saying reverence. Amen. He says with fear and trembling. That is with great humility and great respect for his position as a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul himself came to the Corinthian church in weakness and in fear and with much troubling. And so, so, so he was mindful of the awesome, awesome nature of the work in which he was engaged. So when he says, work out your soul salvation, he's not saying work for it. But what he's saying is that thing that took place on the inside of us need to be worked to the outside so that people can see that a transformation has taken place on the inside. We got to work it out. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, we got to work it out. See, 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 Paul, Paul describes himself as straining and pressing on toward the goal of Christ's likeness. And so he says, when we work out salvation, even though we already, I told you before, before I read that, we are, when, when Christ Jesus saved us, amen, positionally wise and principle wise, we have everything that we need. But we got to work it out. Everybody say work it out. We got to work it out. We work out our salvation by going to the very source of our salvation, which is the word of God, wherein we renew our hearts and our minds and coming into his presence with the spirit of reverence and all. So we got to make sure we work it out. Now, part of this process, guys, hear me carefully. Part of this process of healing is regaining our boundaries. And that's what I want to get to. Part God says we already heal. We already have everything that we need. But in order for it to be worked out, in our lives, we got to learn how to put up the right boundaries. As we become like him, he is redeeming our boundaries and our limits. Um, uh, he has defined who we are and what our limits are so that he can bless us. But we are the ones who have to do battle. Let me say it again. He has defined who we are and what our limits are so that he can bless us. But we're the ones who got to do battle, guys. Listen, we're here in this earth and God saved us and left us here to do spiritual warfare. So the battles fall into two categories as it relates to boundaries. We got 
what, what, what are we battling? Outside resistance. And we, we, we got to battle inside resistance. Everybody say outside resistance and inside resistance. So, 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 but Pastor, what are some of the uh, outside resistance that we face when it comes to engaging in people with people and our reluctance to do so? First one is angry reactions from people. Now, think about that person. When I say put up a boundary, that means uh, you, know, you, you got some distance between you and that person or, or, that, uh, or that situation. There are going to be some times, guys, when you have to say, okay, now listen, I, I, I can't go with you there. I, you know, listen, I know I've, we've been we've been we've been classmates. We've done things together all our lives. But I got to step back because you're going in a direction that I don't need to be going in. Now, the moment you do that, somebody will get mad. Are you all with me today? Somebody's going to get mad. Go into uh, Proverbs 19 and 19. We get angry reactions. The most common resistance we get from uh, from the outside is anger. Listen to me carefully. People who get angry at others for setting boundaries got a character problem, guys. You got a character problem. Watch what the text says here. Look, look what it says. Hot-tempered people must do what? Must do what? Pay the penalty. If you rescue them once, you have to do it again. Let's read it out loud on purpose. It says what? Hot-tempered people must pay the penalty because a lot of us excuse for well that's just Joe Blow he just he always goes off like that why are you excusing that why are you allowing that to flow in your house why are you allowing it to flow in your church why are you allowing it to flow in your job hot tempered people must pay the penalty for the Bible says if you rescue them once guess what you got to do it again amen listen they're not righteously angry at an offense. These folks who, who, who respond to you with anger when you put up a boundary, we say no more. I can't do it anymore. I can't loan you any more money. How many of y'all have loaned relatives and friends money and they didn't pay you back? Anybody in the house? I need one hand raised. Yeah. You loan money out and, then, and, and because you didn't set up a boundary, they keep coming back for more. And because you didn't really teach them how to fish, you just gave them a fish, they kept coming back to you. And then finally you said, I'm not really helping this person, I'm actually hurting them because I'm fostering their irresponsibility because every time they get in trouble, they come to me for money, but they ain't tithing, they ain't giving offering, they still going to the boat, they still uh, shopping at Neiman Marcus, White House Black Market, Little, little on the high end, come on, ain't nothing wrong with that if you can afford to do that, but, but you ask me for money. And so so in order, in order to get you where you need to be, I got to put up a boundary because if, we, if I keep doing this, we're going to be doing this for the next 20 years. And that's not good for us, amen? Listen to me, guys. If you, if you reinforce this character problem, because again, people who, who respond with anger reaction got a character issue. If you reinforce this character problem, it will return tomorrow or the next day in other situations. If you allow the people to get away with that angry outburst, uh, it's going to keep happening. They'll say, I'm sorry, but it comes back again. It's not the, 
the situation that's making the person angry, but it's the feeling that they are entitled to things from others. See, people get mad at you because of what you told them that you weren't going to allow them to do with your stuff. Can I get a witness? They want to control others. And these kind of folks who, who have angry actions, they want to control others. Hear me carefully. And as a result, they have no control over themselves. So when when they lose their, 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 that control they want to have over you, then they lose it. They get angry when you no longer allow them to do what they've been doing and taking advantage of you and manipulating you. Ang- Everybody said anger reactions. Now, the first thing, listen, as, as I look at this, the first thing we need to learn uh, is that the person who is angry at you for setting boundaries is the one with the problem. Everybody said they got the problem. And if you don't realize this, you may think you have a problem, but it's really them that have the problem. Maintaining your boundaries is good for other people. It will help them learn what they apparently didn't learn at home, which is to respect other people. Some folk ain't got no home training. I need y'all to look at me. Some people don't have any home training. And then they come out of that with their unhome trained self and try to engage in relationship with you and try to control you. And then when you decide, listen, my pastor taught me about relationship boundaries. I need I need to know this because I've been afraid to engage the people because I've been the, the one who couldn't say no. I've been the one who's been manipulated. I've been the one who, who who's been getting taken advantage of. So now I'm going to learn how to set up boundaries so I can protect myself and help you to grow. Can I get a witness? So so they need to learn that. Second thing, um, you know, so so we got angry reaction. We got guilt messages. Guilt messages. Everybody say guilt messages. Go, go with me to Matthew, the 20th chapter right quick. And I'm going to start this reading at verse number one. Matthew, the 20th chapter, verse number one. Glory to God. Matthew, the 20th chapter, verse number one. And guys, I want, I want to say this to you. Um, uh, there are going to be some times uh, uh, where uh, when, 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 when you, you face with an out of control person. Okay. Uh, and when that person gets out of control, when they when they get so angry with you, they start cussing you out. Any of y'all have somebody cuss you out because of your stuff? Any of y'all have somebody uh, talk? Maybe they didn't use profanity, but they talk in a derogatory manner to you because they were angry that you refused to allow them to continue to use you and abuse you. Guys, let me tell you something. As believers, that hear, hear what I'm saying. We have a responsibility to help people. But it comes a point in time when sometimes my helping you is hurting you. Are y'all listening to me today? Sometimes your helping in what we perceive to be helping is actually hurting the person who we engage in relationship with. And so we got to learn how to how to identify that and learn how to release that because if we don't, we'll never grow and we'll never be comfortable engaging with people because we think the next person that we meet is going to use us like this last person used us. Can I get a witness? Now, watch, watch the text here. Again, uh, I, I need you to understand this. Uh, the, the second thing is we get, first thing, we get angry reactions. And then we get these guilt messages. If you really love me, you would. Hello. It seemed like you would care enough about the family to do this one thing. You know, you, you don't want to got a big enough house where, where you can mortgage your house and get uh, nephew Tommy out of jail. No, I ain't mortgaging my house and get nephew Tommy out of jail. Are y'all with me? I'm not mortgaging my house to get nephew Tommy out of jail. Nephew Tommy shouldn't have did what he did. 
Are you with me? Everybody mad at you because you won't put your money up to get him out of jail. And he's told you he did it. All right. Y'all with me? Now watch this. Matthew, the 20 chapter. So guilt message. The guilt message is one of the strongest weapons in the arsenal of that person who's trying to control you. Amen. People with poor boundaries almost always internalize guilt messages that are level at them. And and, and they obey guilt inducing statements that, that try to make you feel bad. You call mama up and mama say, well, you know. I ain't going to be here all, always and you're going to be sorry that you didn't do what I asked you to do while I was living. Come on, mama. We're going to help you, but you're going a little bit overboard, mama. Are you with me? Watch this. Watch this, guys. So listen, but for the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. I'm talking about guilt messages. Watch this. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. Now watch this. So they went to work in the gray, in the vineyard and at noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. He hired somebody in, in the morning. He hired somebody at noon. He hired somebody at three o'clock. Right. And he asked them, he says, let me back up here just for a second. Uh, it says, uh, it, so, so he hired one in the morning, he hired one at noon, and then he hired one uh, later on in the afternoon. And at, at, at five o'clock, we had an issue that came up. Watch this. Let me get there. Matthew 20, I'm going to, uh, Matthew the 20 chapter. I got to find it here, man. Sometimes when the technology goes down, you got to go to the book. Amen. That's why, that's why you always carry your Bible with you. Can I get a witness? And the, and the text says this. Uh, and it says, so uh, they say unto him, uh, it says, again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing idle and said unto them, why stand ye here all day idle? The text says, they said unto him, because no man hath hired us. Are y'all with me? He said unto them, go ye also in the vineyard and whatsoever is right that ye shall receive. Look at verse number eight with me right quick. Watch this. He says, that evening he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. Now, you had, you had somebody who was hired to go to work and they agreed to work for a certain amount that morning, right? Watch what happens here. Text says what? Uh, when those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. That's where they agreed to pay them, right? Next verse says what? Uh, when those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. That's what they agreed to, right? When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Watch what they said. Watch this. Those people who worked only one hour and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Watch this. He answered one of them, friend, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Right. Next verse says what? It says, take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Text says this. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? So what he said, right? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? 
See, some folk will get you into in what you, you, you know, you went and took those church members uh, uh, with you to out to eat, but you ain't took me out to eat. Well, you got to understand, <laughs> I hadn't taken you out to eat, but I bought groceries for you for the last six months. Hello? People will try to guilt you this guilt message to try to get you to let those boundaries down. And sometimes God is saying it's time for you to set boundaries to help that person grow and to make sure that you're healthy and whole emotionally. Text says, is it, is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? Y'all remember in the book of Acts, the story of Ananias and Sapphira, when they came and they lied to the Holy Ghost about what did it cost uh, for the land and they gave to the church. The, 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 the disciples told him, hey, listen, guys, it was your money. You could have gave what you wanted to give, but you lied to the Holy Ghost. And guess what happened? Ananias did what? Dropped dead. His wife came in later on, told the same lie, and she dropped dead. Guys, I'm going to tell you something. When, 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 when people try to guilt you into lowering your boundaries, be careful because God says we got to make sure that we learn how to engage with people and have the proper balance. So everybody say guilt messages. How many of y'all ever had a loved one or somebody you work with or a family member try to guilt you into doing something that, that really wasn't good for you or for them? Anybody in the house? How many of y'all have been trying to be guilted into giving somebody some money? How many of y'all have been guilted into trying to do something that somebody wanted you to do for them, even though it wasn't in your heart to do and God didn't lead you to do it? So you got to learn how to put up those boundaries because guilt messages that come out, if you're not careful, you can tell if you have proper boundaries or not. Because if you allow that message to cause you to do something that you weren't, that God didn't lead you to do, then now we have a problem. And that's why a lot of us don't like to engage with people because we think they're going to ask us for something. Can I get a witness? So, guys, we got to make sure guilt messages. Now, you know, the Bible says that we are to give and not be self-centered. Is that correct? It doesn't say that we have to give whatever anyone wants from us, whatever somebody wants from us. We are in control of our giving. Again, Ananias and Sapphira, they could have gave what they, what they, what, whatever they wanted from that, the price to the sale of that land. Guys, we know that we have a responsibility as Christians to, to sow our tithes and our offerings, but we're talking about giving to somebody. And what, what, what we have to realize is that we got to give as the Holy Spirit tells us to give. Sometimes, Guilt manipulation comes dressed in God talk. Y'all know what God talk is? Well, if you were a Christian, you call yourself a Christian. If you call yourself a Christian, you would give me this money. No, 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 no. I'm not going to give it to you because you haven't, first of all, you hadn't, you hadn't sat down and did a budget. You constantly are overspending and you're trying to get me to fund your overspending. I will help you, but let's sit down and see what the plan is. I will help you, but let's sit down and see where your budget is. Because if you are spending out more than what you're bringing in, I'm just putting money in a bag with holes in it. Y'all ever heard a statement throwing good money out the bag? Here's what that means. Let's say, for instance, somebody comes to you and say they need help with their rent. They, they're three months behind their rent, but they hadn't fixed their, their, their month-to-month problem. They're spending out more than we got coming in. So now you give them $1,000 to pay their rent that month. And then two months later, they evicted because they didn't pay the rent. Well, I could have kept my thousand dollars because I threw good money out the bad because you didn't fix the problem. The problem was you were spending more than what you were bringing in. And so so we have to learn how to make sure that we don't allow it to happen. So 
So, so, so when we look at this thing, guys, uh, guilt messages can sometimes get us to the point uh, where we end up doing stuff that takes us outside of our boundaries. Amen. So now, now, the next thing I want you to look at is consequences and counter moves. These, these are these are outward resistance to boundaries that God has told us we need to put up in our life. Outward resistance, consequences and counter move. In other words, uh, people will sometimes uh, uh, come at you uh, and you got to be you got to be you got to be prepared to to face somebody uh, coming at you uh, with some consequences for the decision to, to put that boundary up. In other words, let's say, for instance, if your mom was let's um, um, say your mom is your is your primary babysitter. That happens a lot of time in families, right? Grandmothers babysit, right? Well, grandpas do too, right? All right. And so, so now, so sometimes what what will happen is if, if if grandma wants to control you or control your situation. She'll, you know, if you don't do what she says do, then she won't babysit for you anymore. That's controlling. Oh, let's, 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 let's go a different, different route. Let's say you went to this particular college to go to school and you want your child to go there, but your child wants to go somewhere else. And what do you tell your child? My money going to this school. And if you, if you want my money, you got to go to this school. Well, that school don't even have the major that I want, but you want me to go there because you should step on the yard out there. Now, listen, don't, don't, don't allow, listen, we can't allow, or we don't, we as born again believers can't allow these boundaries to be, uh, to, to not be put up because somebody is coming at us with some consequences and some counter moves. They come back and say, well, if you put up that boundary, if you don't let me come over your house whenever I want to, then I, I'm going to stop doing this for you. And so, so sometimes we, we pull away from God's will and his word for our life because of consequences and counter moves from our people who are in relationship with. And this causes a lot of us not to really want to be connected with people. And what I'm telling you is if, if we're going to, if we're going to be engaged, if we're going to help disciple folks, we got to make sure that we learn how to, to, to recognize this outward resistance is going to come when we set up boundaries. The next thing may be physical resistance. There are some people who are in situations, guys, where, where, um, where abusive spouses are in the picture abusive whoever is in the picture and abusive boyfriends and they will physically when you decide that enough is enough they will physically try to restrain you everybody said that ain't right that is not right but but that that's one of the outward resistance that comes when we uh put up the balance i'm just trying to tell you what you need to expect because these outward resistance will come, but when they come, we got to make sure that we don't allow them to overwhelm us and cause us not to put up the boundary that God said going to help protect us. So uh, the other thing is, is, is the pain of others. When we see the pain of others, because sometimes people are going to be hurt when you put up a boundary. Amen. People get hurt when we turn, when we decide that enough is enough. Now, guys, hear, hear what I'm saying. I'm saying this, that if we're going to fulfill our purpose, one of the things we got to do is learn how to engage with people. But the thing that's stopping us from engaging with people is, is because we don't know how to put up the proper boundaries. If I learn how to say no, if I learn how to deal with people the right way, then I can be, I can be confident when I go to engage with them to help disciple them and for them to help disciple me. But, 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 but when I don't understand this, 
It's going to prevent me from being a man, the person that God called and ordained for me to be. So so the pain of others, they may feel a hole when we when we pull away or we put ourselves in a position where we're not we're not going to keep doing what we've been doing because what we've been doing has been hurting you. Can I get a witness? Now, now watch this, guys. I want you all, if you will, let's uh, I, I need I need us to go turn with me uh, in your Bible. Let's go to first uh, Corinthians, the fifth chapter. Here's a classic case. First Corinthians, chapter number five, a classic case where. The church didn't put up a boundary. First Corinthians, the fifth chapter, verse number one. In this passage, and you've heard me preach this before, in this passage, there was a man who uh, was allowed to continue doing something that he shouldn't have been doing because the church, amen, didn't address or didn't put up the boundary that God told him to. Paul actually writes to this church and tells them, listen, you guys aren't doing what you were supposed to do. Look at what the text says. Read it out loud on purpose. It says what? I can hardly believe the report about the sexual immorality going on among you. Something that even pagans don't do. I am told that a man in your church is living in sin with his stepmother. Now, living in sin with his stepmother means this man was having sexual relations with his stepmama. Now, right there, that tells you Right there, that tells you that that he had left spiritually, but he was still there physically. And a lot of times people leave spiritually, emotionally before they leave physically. And what Paul was going to tell this church is this guy, amen, had left spiritually. And in order to get him back right with God, you need to set up a boundary where you remove him from your from your church because he's not repenting of his sin. Look at the next verse. Let's read together. It says what? You are so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and shame and you should remove this man. What? What did Paul tell them? Well, I thought I thought I thought that, that that's ungodly to do that. Y'all, everybody got some sin going in their life, right? Listen to what he's saying. This guy wouldn't listen to reason. This guy was in open sin. This guy didn't repent. He's not talking about somebody who's repentant and, and sorry and because and, and godly sorrow does what leads to repentance. But this guy was openly in sin and nobody in the church put up a boundary that says you can't be here living like that. You can't be here living like that. He says you're so proud of yourselves, but you should be mourning in sorrow and in shame. And you should remove this man from your fellowship. Look at the next verse. Let's go. So what? Even though I'm not with you in spirit, in person, I'm with you in the spirit. And as though I were there, I've already passed judgment on this man. Paul says, I know what's happening. And I'm passing judgment on this man because you guys in the Corinthian church haven't set the boundary of disfellowship in this guy because he's in open known sin and he ain't trying to get out of it. Now, watch this, guys. Our churches, I believe, would be a lot more powerful. Our churches would be a lot more pure and have greater impact if we start addressing known open sin. I'm not saying you go follow somebody trying to see what they're doing, but this stuff here was out in the open. It was public and the guy didn't try to get out of it. And Paul says, church, the boundary of disfellowship 
should have been put in place to keep this man from your presence until he realized the error of his ways and repented. Can I get a witness? So this is very important for the church to realize that we got to make sure that when we have things like this, we address it. Because the world is watching. Look at what it says in the next verse. Come on, let's go. It says what? In the name of the Lord Jesus, you must call a meeting of the church. This is Bible. You must call what? A meeting of the church. I will be present with you in spirit. And so with the power of our Lord Jesus. Next verse says what? Then you must throw this man out and hand him over to Satan so that his sinful nature will be destroyed and he himself will be saved on the day the Lord returns. What, what, what's Paul getting at? Paul is trying to move this man to repentance. If he doesn't, if the church allows him to keep doing what he's doing and don't address this issue, this man will keep on doing what he's doing. But he's saying, put the boundary up disfellowship him so he can see the error of his ways and he can repent and turn away. So guys, there are people in our lives sometimes that we got to make sure that we disfellowship because, and because they, they are not, they're not, they're not going to change until something different is done. Can I get a witness? So the pain of others sometimes keeps us from doing that because we, we're afraid if I address this issue, then they're going to get mad. They're going to be hurt because I addressed the issue. Do what is best according to God's word and quit worrying about just how somebody's going to be feeling. Do what's best for them. How many of y'all parents have ever had to do something for your child or had to discipline your child in order to get them to see the error of their ways? Did it hurt you emotionally? Yeah, it did. Did you not really want to do it? No, you really didn't want to. But you knew in order for them to turn around. You had to do something because if you don't put up a boundary, they're going to keep going. They're going to they're going, they're going end up hanging their own selves. How many of y'all ever heard the statement, you give, a, give them enough rope to hang their own selves? Listen, let's learn how to be boundary setters so that we can get to the point to where God can help us to get where we need to be. Amen. So, so we, got, we got pain of others sometimes is an outward resistance. We got also a blamers. Blamers will act as though you're saying... No, it's killing them. Blamers will act as if you're the problem. Can I get a witness? Blamers uh, will, will, will cry, they will pout, they will get angry. And, 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 but again, remember, it's them with the character problem because you're trying to address the issue. So you have these blamers who will come. Now, again, the, the next thing is you have people who have real needs. There, there, there are folks who got real needs that need to be addressed. And we need to write, write for the dress to a real need. But sometimes, uh, even in, in, with those real needs, if a person has went beyond what they should be uh, doing, then there's going to be a time where we got to set up a boundary and say, listen, we, we got to stop that because that's hurting you. I can't keep watching you hurt yourself. Any of y'all got people in your life who you've seen hurt themselves? I need some hands raised. Anybody got some people in your life who you saw the pathway they're going on and they're hurting themselves, guys? They have real needs. Real needs are there. But that real need don't mean that I can't set a boundary because that person's real need may be because of their, their dysfunctionality that's causing them not to be in a position where God wants them to be. So real needs are there. Then we have forgiveness and re- reconciliation. Here's the one I'm going to park and I'm going to stop on this one. Um, this is the last one. Here. Forgiveness and reconciliation. Many people have a problem determining the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. 
they fall, they fail to deal with the external resistance because they feel that they have to give in to the other person again and again. And if they do that, if they don't do that, then they're not being forgiven. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. The Bible is clear about this. Number one, listen to this. We always, everybody say always. We always need to forgive. I need us to repeat that. Say, I need to always forgive. Look at your other neighbor and say, we, ah, no, you got to look at them. Live stream, look at your neighbor. Say, we need to always forgive. Look at your other neighbor. I need y'all to get this down in your spirit. Say, we need to always forgive. That's the first principle. Here's the second principle. We don't always achieve reconciliation. Say, we don't always achieve reconciliation. See, forgiveness is something that we do in our hearts. We release someone from the debt that they owe us. We write off the person's debt and they no longer owe us. Only one person is needed for forgiveness, and that's me. Only one person is needed in a relationship for forgiveness, and that's you. It don't matter if that person didn't come back to you and ask you for forgiveness. You are obligated, based on your Christian faith, to forgive. I got two amens on that. Even if they don't come and ask you for forgiveness, we are obligated to forgive. There's a difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. The person who owes me a debt don't have to ask me for my forgiveness. It's a work of grace in my heart. But this brings us to that second principle I talk about. We don't always achieve reconciliation. See, God forgave the world. Y'all know that, right? But the world is not reconciled to him. Are y'all with me? For God so of the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. But there are a lot of folks who don't believe and they're going to perish if they die in their sins. So guys, although, although he may have forgiven all people, all people have not owned their sin and appropriated his forgiveness. And this would be reconciliation. Forgiveness takes one, but guys, reconciliation takes two. Everybody say forgiveness takes one, but reconciliation takes two. Because guys, remember, God is our model, right? He did not wait for people to change their behavior before he stopped condemning them. The Bible says while we were yet sinners, what? Christ did what? He died for us. He didn't wait on us to get it right before he died. He died for us when we were still dead in trespasses and sin. So guys, we got to realize, listen, he's finished condemning, but that does not mean that he has a relationship with all people. People must choose to own up to their sin. Hear me carefully. If reconciliation is going to take place, people got to be willing to own up to their sin and repent. And then God will open himself to them. Reconciliation involves two. Everybody say two. You can offer reconciliation but it must be contingent upon the other person owning their behavior and bringing forth some trustworthy 
fruit, showing signs of repentance. So some of y'all right now, again, we're talking about engaging. Some of y'all right now have not reconciled with people because maybe that person or maybe you haven't owned up to your part in the situation. Maybe you haven't owned up to your sin. Maybe you haven't repented because you haven't experienced godly sorrow. Godly sorrow leads to what? Repentance. And so we got to realize that forgiveness and reconciliation are two different things. Now, guys, there's some internal things that I don't have time to go over today, but, but I, I want you all those outside resistance things. If you're not careful, will cause you to 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 to, to not uh, to not put those boundaries up. Internal resistance. I'm just going to give these to you briefly. Human need. All of us have the need uh, to be with people. So sometimes we don't want to put up boundaries because we think it's going to separate us from people. So we were born with the need to be with people. Even though you may say I can do I'm good all by myself. You're really not good all by yourself because all of us need somebody in our life. All of us need another human being to help us grow and develop in the body of Christ. There ain't no solo, solo, solo Christianity. We need each other in order to grow and develop. So human need that's unresolved grief and loss that's on the inside of us. They can stop us from putting up boundaries. We have fear of the unknowns. We don't know what's going to happen. So that fear of the unknown, the, uh, how the relationship is going to end or whatever's going to transpire, that fear of the unknown that comes from with us will stop us sometimes from putting up those boundaries. And then we have unforgiveness sometimes that's in our hearts. I want everybody here to check yourself to make sure that you're not harboring unforgiveness. Because unforgiveness will stifle the move of God in your life. And we got to make sure that we don't allow what somebody else did to cause us to be walking in sin. Jesus says, if you don't forgive others their trespasses, then God won't forgive you yours. So unforgiveness. And then guilt. We, sometimes we have that internal guilt. And, and guilt is, is, is less of a feeling. as it is a, It's less of an emotion. It's less of a feeling. We, we feel guilty about something, so we don't want to tell somebody no. Anybody ever been there before, but you couldn't say no because you felt guilty. So guys, you got to deal with the guilt because there are going to be some people who we got to say no to because what they're doing is hurting us and it's hurting the relationship. External focus. In other words, we, we're looking at what's happening on the outside and that, that's where our focus is. And so it's, it's what's on the inside of us. But we, we're looking at what's on the outside and that's causing us not to put the boundaries. And lastly, uh, we have abandonment fears. We're afraid that people are going to leave us and we're going to be all alone. And so we won't, we won't put up the boundaries. But here's what I will tell you. If you're going to engage properly, learn how to put up boundaries in your life. Learn how to, to what God said. Listen, here's a good way to know, know what your boundaries is. Whatever God says don't do, then you don't do it. Whatever God says to do, then you do that. If God said remove yourself from this lifestyle, you remove yourself from that lifestyle. If God says flee fornication, run from sexual immorality, then put that boundary up. Put distance between you and that person who you're attracted to. In other words, I, I mean, you can date somebody, but then you don't want to be there, uh, 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 you know, putting yourself in a, in a position where, you know, things get kind of, you know, if you're dating somebody and, and you in a position to where or in a place where things may get off the track. Can I say it that way? Oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. 
If, 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 if you know God says don't engage in sexual relations if you're not married, then so, so you got to put a boundary up and say, we're going to the movies. We're going out to eat. But I can't let you come back to my house this time. Because I know I'm feeling a certain kind of way. And if you come back to my house and I'm feeling a certain kind of way, I'm kind of weak today. And I'm weak today, so if I let you come back to my house, then my, my, I hadn't prayed like I should all week, and so my flesh may be talking to me, so I can't let you come back to my house. Because if you come back to my house, you know and I know what, what's, what's likely to happen. Anybody been there before? I said, has anybody been there before? Y'all ain't talking to me. Has anybody been there before? Christians. Listen, all of us face temptation, but we got to put up boundaries to keep ourselves from falling. Can I get a witness? So if we're going to be effective and engaging, let's learn about boundaries. Guys, there's a whole lot more I can teach on this, but I got to give you the, the cliff note version of it. All I'm saying is, is that when, when, when there's a, a, a toxic person in your life, you got to deal with them. Deal with them in a godly way, but learn how to put the proper boundaries up so that they don't take you out along with them. And you want to encourage them to see the error of their ways so that we can be in the place that God wants us to be in because we have purpose that God wants us to fulfill.